Hello and welcome to The Golfing Mind. Uh, This is the weekly podcast which looks at the game of golf in general and in the mental game of golf in particular. You know, it's at this time of year that suddenly there's a big push from the club manufacturers to uh, introduce their new range of uh, innovations, um, be it in their irons, their wedges, uh, their utility woods, the fairway woods, or the golden drivers. And I remember <clears throat> many years ago attending the uh, PGA merchandise show in Orlando. And I was talking to um, the head of sales for one of the major uh, club manufacturers. And I, I said to him, I noticed you kind of bring out a, a new improved sort of driver, um, sometimes within a 12-month period. I won't mention who the manufacturer is. They're, I mean, they're world-class. And the fellow said to me, well, we know worldwide, and I can't remember the exact number, so I'm going to have to make a bit of a guesstimate. But I remember saying to me, we know worldwide there's about 200,000 people who will immediately buy uh, our latest driver or whatever the particular innovation is and because they're looking for an improvement and there was um i don't know who it was said this but i've read it i think in a number of places that if every uh game improvement claim was true we'd be driving the ball about 600 yards now because every year um they will say another 10 yards in your drive another five yards another you know a better dispersion pattern and yet I've got one or two uh, colleagues of mine or people I know who are playing with 20-year-old clubs and their handicaps are low single figures. And I have one particular friend and I remember uh, being with him and I picked out one of his irons and I could barely hold on to the grips that were so shiny. And I said, when did you last of these changed? And he said, oh, I've never had them changed. And there were 12-year-old clubs. He did get them changed, I'm pleased to say. And I think he, he said he felt more confident as a consequence, wasn't gripping them so tightly. So uh, the reason I mentioned this is people buy hope they rarely buy solutions. And I say that because if you want to hit the ball further than you are hitting it at the moment, there's two obvious solutions to that. One is practice more, build up your flexibility, your strength, your timing, all those good things, or potentially buy a game improvement club. Now, I would suggest the former is the better solution than the latter because there comes a point that and i see this particularly with people who are older that they will buy the latest the best of whatever it is and you in putting i see putters up at the 300 dollar mark and if you compare them with a 20 dollar putter i'm not saying that uh, the the price point comparison uh, is not valid and justified but i'll guarantee you the 20 dollar putter is not spending tens of millions of dollars a year on uh, advertising and sponsorship deals with players so it brings me back to what i once said years ago about the rental set paradox and it can't be just me but many of the time i've been traveling and somebody says oh would you like to play golf and i go sure 
but oh, I don't have any clubs. And one of two things happen. The person will say, oh, I've got a spare set I can lend you, which is obviously a set they don't want to use. Or, oh, they rent clubs at the place we're going. I played at one or two uh, good municipal courses in America, and one in particular um, up the West Coast. I can't remember its name, but I do remember they had the rental sets were called Carnival, Carnival, uh, spelt with a K. And they were kind of ping knockoffs, um, but there was a woods and a putter and all sorts of things. And when I play with rental sets, my expectations are much lower than they would be if I'm playing with my own clubs because my own clubs have been fitted, uh, balanced, uh, specially gripped with a sort of thicker at the top than the, I mean, all, all these sort of things, which I think is gonna help me. And, and I believe are gonna help me, better put that in there. But when I play with a, a rental set of clubs, my expectation is, well, these aren't my clubs. You know, they might not be the right length, the swing weight, bloody blah. Uh, so I just kind of relax into it. And almost without exception, I play better with a set of rental clubs. Um, not always, but generally speaking. But this time in playing with these set of clubs called Carnival, uh, which I'd never heard of or imagined could even be a name for a golf club, I shot a five over par. And I remember uh, thinking, I got to buy a set of these clubs. So immediately I uh, went off into, and uh, this was pre-internet, so this was like the mid, early 90s. And I remember going to a number of golf stores and I'd mentioned the Eric Carnival and they went, no, nope, no, nope, never heard of them. And what I later discovered sometime later is they were exactly what I thought they were. They were just knockoffs of ping, um, but not made with the same quality of um, metal in the heads, uh, the same quality of construction. Uh, and certainly the shafts were probably just cheap shafts. Um, and I discovered that I think they were made in South Korea and uh, I'm not sure what the story was, whether they were sort of a band, I have no idea. But what I do know is that by not playing with your normal club, you believe you're gonna play better or play worse. Now for me, playing with a rental set, I believe I'm gonna play better, uh, generally. Um, often when I'm playing with a borrowed set of clubs that someone lends me, I think I'm not gonna play so well with these because these were made custom fit for somebody else. And so it comes with new technology. We buy new technology in the hope, and that hope gives us belief. And I can't tell you again how often I've been into a, uh, a, a demonstration bay to try three different makes of club. But before I went in there, I knew the one I really wanted to like. And more often than not, without exception, that's the one I hit best. So the title of today's podcast was, you know, getting out of a slump. And We've all had it. We've all had those days or weeks or indeed months when we just can't play the golf we know we're capable of playing. And it's not enough to say, oh, just be positive, buck up your ideas, practice more. But I do think it's worth taking a break, sometimes for a week or so, and uh, to play without expectation. So say, okay, I'm in a slump. I don't know why I'm in a slump. I'm not able to think my way out of it. I can practice, but it doesn't seem to help me on the golf course. And in that case, I would treat it like a really bad hangover. 
you know, something that you don't know how it happened. I mean, hangovers are normally self-inflicted, or in my experience, that's been the case. But, or like a sore throat that you've just got, it will pass. Your slump will pass almost without exception. And that is a time, I think, sometimes to mix it up. That's the time to change your clubs. You know, if it's a case of just buying it, and I've done this, I've uh, recommended find a club that's two or three years old, go on eBay, buy, buy a pre-loved, I think they say in America, is it pre-owned or second-hand or used? Or, anyway, just buy a set of clubs. And I've done this with um, some irons, and I love, I love those irons. But just changing the club felt um, better in terms of my belief and the expectations I would play more uh, consistently well with them. And it generally works. So for me, when you're in a slump, I don't think you can think your way out of it. And I certainly don't think you will necessarily play your way out of it because something's gone wrong. And I would look at three possible solutions. Number one, the most obvious one, is go and get a lesson. Go and see a professional teacher, someone that can look at your... The last slump I was in lasted about, oh, it's about two and a half, three months. It was so bad. I remember playing one round and just couldn't hit a fairway. And I was hooking the ball, which is just not my shape at all. I, I tend to play a fade. And um, friends looked at my swing and oh, no one could see what I was doing wrong. And it got to the point that it was almost embarrassing because uh, I knew I'd be holding up play. And then one day, I, a friend asked me to help him because he said he was hitting everything miles right. And I asked him to step down and I watched him hit the ball. I said, well, I mean, I'm not a golf teacher and I don't uh, teach the mechanics of golf, but I will help a friend in need. And I said, oh my gosh, you know, your feet are pointing way to the right and your club is pointing uh, way to the right, but you're looking straight ahead. And he said, really? And I got two uh, sticks down. I said, that's the line of the ball flight and that's the line of your feet. So he adjusted accordingly and they started going straight. And to, I then stepped up to demonstrate the same position and my ball started going straight. The hook had disappeared and I realized I had been closed at a dress and friends hadn't noticed it or maybe they weren't looking at my feet. I don't know. But what was encouraging was that was the first place I looked was for, uh, I hadn't looked. I hadn't seen a professional golfer because I figured there was something else going on in my swing. The second thing you can do after seeing a professional teacher is to, to change equipment just temporarily. You know, borrow a set of clubs, use a rental set, a demo set. Just change the clubs because it changes your expectation. And the third thing is play without expectation so you can play through it. You know, you, you will come out the other side. And then with the exception of maybe one or two professional golfers who've had catastrophic slumps and they just kind of faded into obscurity, it's very, very unlikely that that's going to apply to you because you're not in, in that space. So that's really it. Anyway, as always, I will finish off by saying if you're serious about playing your best golf or that you're capable of, the mental game is a big, big part of it. I've um, written three books on the mental game of golf and created an online training program called uh, uh, Silent Mind Golf. And there's different levels, uh, introductory levels all the way up to um, 
professional levels. And it really gives you a foundation to understanding the mental game and also gives you exercises and drills to develop that cognitive function, that um, mental strength that will, under pressure, hold up much better than may have been the case in the past. Um, any questions, drop me an email. And as always, I look forward to hearing from you and I look forward to speaking to you again soon. In the meantime, play good golf and most importantly of all, enjoy yourself. Mm -hmm.